0: Welcome to Western Hills Podcast. We're in a series where we're wrestling with this reality that a crowd of people that, at the beginning of a week, sang praises to a man named Jesus. They cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And by the end of the week, the cry was completely different. And they cried, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And we're looking at that journey every step of the way because what we've said is that as we look at what Jesus endured and come to an understanding of what he endured and why he endured, it is so that we may endure what we face. And that even though this is heavy, tragic, difficult stuff to look at, and this is a part of the Bible that is not G rated that we want to turn our eyes from this that but the writer of hebrews says you know focus your eyes on him look to him and what he endured because there was glory in that and then we can find encouragement in that so today i want to talk to you about a person that gets the briefest of mentions in our bible in fact, in all the three Gospels, this character that we're going to today gets one verse in each of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and does not have a mention in the Gospel of John. And it's a unique story, but I believe you're going to find out that it connects very powerfully to us in a special way. And so if you come today with a burden, if you come today with the struggle. If you come today and you look around the room and you think everybody else is happy and I'm not. Everybody else has got their act together. But my life's falling apart. You're in the right place. Because that's what today's message is for. Now I'll give you a little secret. Everybody else around you, they don't have their act together. Okay? This church, I know this church. It's a messed up place. Okay? We're all a bunch of messed up people, any church that would have me as the preacher, you know the bar has got to be pretty low. Okay, so we're going to dive in and we're going to look at this and I believe that there's a message for us in this, in this character who begins his journey to the cross, not in Jerusalem, but 800 miles away in an area called Cyrene. And what you may not know is Cyrene is northern Africa. And if you want to locate today, it would be a part of Libya. And this person that we see is is a Jew or is a God-fearing person, meaning one of the persons that's outside the Jewish faith, but has come into contact with the Jewish faith some way and has fallen in love with this God of the Jews. And so, Simon is going to take a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage. I mean, this was a big deal to travel all this way. and He's going to take at least a part of his family, we're going to learn, because he is going to go celebrate Passover in Jerusalem, God's holy city. And so in a day long before there was airlines, and long before there was modern transportation, he makes this journey some by walking, perhaps by riding a, some type of livestock for a while, part of it by boat, but this long journey all the way to Jerusalem. And as he approaches Jerusalem, and I, you can just begin to imagine if you've ever gone on the long journey and what it feels like when the destination is finally in sight. You know, maybe you've been driving for a long time and suddenly you hit the city limit sign and you know that you're going to make it home and mama's cooking's waiting for you. And suddenly, you get a little bit more excited, and the heart beats a little bit faster, and you just can't wait for those last 15 minutes of the drive to be completed. Well, this is Simon, and he's traveled all this way, weeks and months to make it here. And he comes over the hilltop, and he sees the city of Jerusalem, the city of... That God has blessed so much. The city that perhaps he's only heard about up to this point. And then he can see the temple shining in the distance. Because it was made of this incredible white stone. And it's glistening in the sun. And it's powerful and it's incredible. And his heart quickens. And so he picks up the pace. And he's walking up the hill. Up the path towards the city. And then a crowd is coming out the other direction. And it's an angry crowd and here's what we have in mark chapter 15 verse 21 it says a certain man from cyrene simon the father of alexander and rufus was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross he, Simon, with all that excitement and energy, and he's got his boys with us, is what Mark lets us know. And perhaps he's talking to them and telling them, here's how the Passover is going to go, and here's what we're going to celebrate. They may even be carrying a lamb that's going to be their Passover offering. And they're in the mode of worship, and yet out of the city is emerging a mob. A, a crowd—it's—it's it's angry as they encounter this. I—I I just can only begin to wonder what Simon was doing, but somehow they tried to get off the path. And in the middle of this crop, this mob, behind the Roman soldiers, behind the people that are spitting and cursing, in the middle is a man that's unrecognizable at this point because he's just suffered. A Roman beating, and they were as proficient at their beating as they are at their crucifixion. And so he is bloodied and drained, and he's wearing that crown of thorns that Brad talked about earlier. And he's bearing a large weight, most likely, it was the crossbeam of his place of execution. Oftentimes. What Rome would do is they would just leave a upright in place at the site of the execution. And then when it came time for the condemned to take their last long walk. They would go to the wood pile and they'd grab a beam and they'd hoist it up. and They'd throw it on their shoulders of the condemned. And they would lead them out often choosing the most longest route possible to make an example of them. To stretch it out. To allow more of the crowd to jeer and to hiss and to condemn and to mock. So Simon and his boys, they see this. In the middle is a man that just looks like he should not even be able to walk. And at some point along the way, my assumption is that Jesus, the one that's the center of all this ridicule, stumbles and falls now now think about that this is the one that walked on water this is the one that when the storm raged with a word he calmed the storm this is the one that when confronted with a man that was possessed by a legion of demons said get out And they begged for mercy from him. This one now stumbles and falls. And perhaps he falls in such a way with that huge weight and beam. That there was a fear that if he fell again like that. He wasn't going to make it to the cross. And if you're one of the Roman soldiers. That's a deal breaker. You, You want to see the crucifixion completed all the way in its gory conclusion and so some Roman soldier picks Simon out now Simon's never been picked for anything in his life and suddenly at this moment he's selected perhaps because of the way he was dressed he was seen as an outsider perhaps it was the color of his skin we don't know but for whatever reason, a Roman soldier grabs him and notes the words. It says he was forced to carry the cross. So some Roman soldier points at him and orders him to pick that up. So he reaches down, gets the blood that's been on this on him. Now he's unclean. Now he's, he can't go perform the very worship that he had come to perform. And suddenly he becomes part of the spectacle. He, he moves from an outsider to standing next to the one that's receiving all the jeering. I mean, I mean think, it's, it's the one that, that suddenly receives all of the spit now that's coming towards Jesus. And the anger is carrying this weight. And they make their way up. And Mark tells us to a place called Golgotha. A place of the skull. A place where crucifixions, executions happened. And at some point, he's able to lay that burden down. And then that which he was carrying, he watches them as they lay Jesus out. And begin the process of bolting him to that piece of wood that he carried. That's Simon's story. That's what mark tells us and there's every part of me that just wants to look at that and you start putting yourself into simon's place and he traveled all this way and all he wanted to do was worship his god and now he gets caught up in this and he's forced to carry this burden this unfair burden you just want to cry that's not right that's that's not fair he doesn't deserve that and then you take one breath and you realize but that's the whole crucifixion Here's Simon with an unfair burden assisting with one that's completely innocent and carrying the burden of us all when he didn't deserve that. So I want to take some lessons from Simon, take some encouragement. And if you come today carrying an unfair burden, I hope these words are encouragement to you. And whatever your burden looks like. Because here's, here's the first one that, that I think we have to understand. And, um, following Jesus does not protect you from having to care carry an unfair burden. Somewhere in our theology, it seems like we come along this idea that if I follow Jesus, Jesus becomes kind of my lucky rabbit's foot. He becomes my good luck charm. He's my four leaf clover. And following Jesus means that I somehow have protection from carrying burdens that I shouldn't have to carry. And and I'm telling you that following Jesus does not protect you from that. Here's Simon. Simon did nothing to deserve what he received, he's on his way to worship God. He's on his way to perform what he thinks is the highest act of worship he can perform in his faith. And in the middle of that, he's given an unfair burden. And I know so many of you, because you'll share your stories with me. And every week I'll hear, hear a story of somebody that's having to carry a burden and it's of no fault or consequence of yours. And you didn't deserve it. And yet, You have to carry it. So the other thing that I want you to understand from that. Is this next one. And this one I really want you to. If you get a chance to write it down. Write it down. An unfair burden does not indicate the lack of God's presence in your life. An unfair burden does not indicate the lack of God's presence in your life. So you may be sitting here today and think. Yeah I've got this burden. And it may be in a marriage. It may be financial it may be in your health it may be in your grief whatever it is and but you're carrying a burden what you need to know is having that burden does not indicate that god has taken a vacation from you does not mean that he's left you somehow it's not an indication that he's trying to punish you somehow having a burden does not mean That God has abandoned you. Understand. Simon received his burden when he was closest to Jesus. He was right there. And in that moment, he receives the burden. In that moment where he was headed to worship... In that moment where he was going to express his devotion to God, in that moment he receives the burden. Having a burden is not an indication that somehow God has walked away from you or turned your back on you. And I hope that brings some type of comfort to you as you deal with whatever the burden is that you face because Jesus comes through on his promise that says, I will be with you always. here's simon carrying this weight this burden not not even understanding all what's at play but the last thing that i want to encourage you with is what happens after this and if you'll notice that mark gives us mark makes a point to give us some information Mark chapter 15 verse 21. Where it says a certain man from Cyrene. Simon. And then he has a phrase. says the father of Alexander and Rufus. Those are his sons. And Mark is making a point. What Mark is doing. Is he's giving a footnote. Mark is proving. His truth. Because the, what he's doing. is saying Alexander and Rufus. And what we believe is that they were part of the Christian community then. And so when Mark writes this gospel, and most of Mark's gospel is a summary of Peter's ministry and his preaching. And so there's a Christian community that's formed up around Peter's preaching and his teaching. And Alexander and Rufus are a part of it. And so when Mark writes these accounts and they read them together, what Mark is saying is, if you don't believe this, ask Alexander, ask Rufus. Turn to them in Bible class and see if they don't confirm this. And so they look, Alexander, yep, that's how it happened. And so there's this reality then that Alexander and Rufus took whatever happened from their father. Their father becomes a believer, they become believers and followers of Jesus the Messiah. Now, I'm going to show you one other thing on how this keeps unfolding. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verses 19, we start, have, we start having a summary. And Luke, who wrote Acts, tells us this. He's saying, now those who had been scattered by the persecution, and basically following Jesus' resurrection, all these people that had come into Jerusalem for the Passover, many of them were turning and putting faith into Jesus because they'd seen a dead man walking. And now there's this church, this movement that sprung up. But just like we would want to do is when we find something that's incredible and unbelievable, everybody camped out in Jerusalem. They stayed there. They were so excited. They wanted to be together. They wanted to worship. They wanted to encourage one another. And everybody stayed there until God allowed some persecution to break out. And what that did is that sent everybody back home. They had to flee the persecution. And so it, In that persecution, it scattered everybody. And they went back to where they had come from. But what did they take with them? They took with them the message that Jesus, the one that had died, now is alive. And so look what Luke accounts for us. Verse 19. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Now, that's familiar, isn't it? From Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What I believe Luke is telling us is that everybody came to be believers. The persecution broke out. Simon, Alexander, and Rufus, they returned home. They returned home with this message. They shared this message with others. It took root there. And another Christian community began to grow up to the point where they felt the need to send out some missionaries. And so they send out some missionaries to a place called Antioch. And so in Antioch, it begins to take root. And if you keep reading, verse 22 News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas gets sent up there, go find out what's going on in Antioch. And Barnabas arrives, and when he arrives, he goes, I need to get a hold of somebody. And the very person he gets a hold of is the Apostle Paul. Look at this. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who was going to become known as Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Simon carries a burden. Simon becomes a believer. Simon passes his faith to his sons, Alexander and Rufus. When the scattering begins, persecution breaks out, they take that message back home to to Cyrene. Then Luke tells us the people from Cyrene took it to Antioch, and the message takes root there, so much to the point that the church sends Barnabas up there, and Barnabas says, hey, we need to go get Paul. And that actually calls Paul out of his um, uh, self-isolation, As he's already had the the encounter with the Lord and, and he's ready to begin his ministry. So in there he begins his ministry among these people that have already begun believing this message. And then from there, and whatever God did through them there, Paul begins to take the message to the ends of the earth. Paul sets his sights on Rome. The capital. The one that wanted to kill Jesus because he was a threat to Rome. And Paul writes the letter that we know is the letter to the Romans to the Christians that are already in Rome. See, Paul's not the first person that brought that message to Rome. But he wants to go there and see that the gospel spreads all throughout Rome and all throughout the Roman Empire. And so he's planning on going there. So he writes a letter. And at the end of the letter, he has a series of salutations. Say hi to, say hi to, give a shout out to. And in Romans 16, 13, he says this, greet Rufus. Chosen in the Lord his mother, who has been a mother to me too. So here's Rufus, already traveled ahead of him to Rome. And all of this goes back to the moment when Simon is forced out of the crowd to carry an unfair burden. So the last thing that I want you to understand is this. Put this up on the screen. You have no idea what God can do through your unfair burden. You have no idea what God can do through your unfair burden. And many of you are carrying an unfair burden. But it does not mean that God has left you, and it does not mean that he's abandoned you, and it does not mean that he's punishing you, but by carrying your burden. And he did not cause your burden. But God can reach into that burden that you didn't ask for, that was forced upon you, and he can do incredible. Maybe a better way to say it's this. Your unfair burden, the pain, can be the platform for his good news. You have no idea about the domino effect. Simon had no idea that day when he put a cross up on his shoulder that he was going to play a critical link in seeing that the gospel reached Rome at that moment. And it began this cascade of events. In, in, in my ministry, I've been blessed to see to see couples that have gone through affairs. And because they did not lose hope, God now reaches in and he uses them to, merit, to, to minister to other marriages. And to restore other marriages. A pain that they never would have asked for, but now God's using it in glorious ways. I, I know so many of you here that have gone through grief. And now, because of the grief you experience of a lost loved one, you minister out of that, and your pain becomes this platform for good news, and people are being touched and reached because of it. So many here that have faced difficulty having pregnancies and you've moved toward adoption and you're changing, you're changing a legacy and the direction of children's lives. And there is no way to know now all that God's going to do through that is that rolls forward through time. You're carrying an unfair burden. And it's difficult, and there's tears that have been shed, and there's prayers that have been prayed, and you would wish that the burden was not yours, but I'm telling you, God can still step in that. And I know that doesn't take the burden away. And I'm not going to pretend that suddenly that makes it lighter. But with the perspective from what God can do, he can reach in and this incredible redeeming effect. And even your pain can become a platform from spreading the good news. As I thought about this and how blessed I've been to watch this lived out over and over, I couldn't help but think about one of my good friends and many of you knew him Scott Ferguson, his wife, he and Sandy were here a part of this church. I'm gonna show you a picture. This is their beautiful daughter, Alyssa. Alyssa is the same age as my son, Caden, not born very far apart in months. When she was twelve, Alyssa was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And what followed was that was a series of very intense treatment. And a series of many brain operations. And her case became so difficult that uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation stepped in because it was clear that Alyssa was probably not going to have many years on on this earth. So they come to this sweet girl that's carrying a burden that I witnessed, but I can't even begin to imagine it. They said, what do you want to do? You want to go to Disney World? You want to take a trip somewhere? You want to meet a celebrity? You you make the wish, we'll make it happen. What Alyssa chose to do, she said, no, I'm going to give my wish away. I want to dig a water well in a small African village that doesn't have access to clean water. The Make-A-Wish Foundation people blew them away. They said, "We'll do that." So they began the process of drilling a well. Alyssa had a, a hard, courageous battle with her cancer. Two years ago, this past January, she she passed away and stepped into the presence of Jesus. No doubt. But her parents, Scott and Sandy, who also had to carry this unbelievable burden, they wanted to keep that going forward. And so, in her name, they began this foundation called the Alyssa World Changers Foundation. And because of this girl that carried this burden, and it wasn't fair, and there's nothing right about it, there's been more than five water wells dug in her honor. And so, communities are being changed because of this. I'm telling you, you have no idea what God can do through your burden. Because the middle of it all is the one that laid down his life while we carry our burdens short distances. He picked up all of them to run the full race. And there and only there is our hope. So, what I like to do is I like to pray for you. And if you feel like you've got a burden today, I want this prayer to be for you. I, I want this to be uh, a ministry to you. And so, if you would, if, if this connects with you in any way, I want you just to receive this prayer. And so, to do that, if you would, if you can, will you stand uh, with me, please? And let me pray and pray this blessing over you. Father, may we be a church full of Simons. And I know, Father, that many here have been asked to carry an unfair burden. And it may be in the world of relationship. It may be in the world of health. It may be in the world of finances. It may be in the world of security. It may be in the world of Of appearance, Father, I I don't know. Um, But I, I pray that as each person is aware of the burden that they're carrying, that first and foremost, Father, you would remind each of us in a very real and tangible way that our burden is not an indication of your absence. That our burden is not an indication of your abandonment. And then, Father, would you give us the ability to see that even in the burden that we're still praying you would lift. That your glory can shine through. That your mission can be accomplished. That your good news can roll forward. Father, maybe, maybe give us a glimpse of what a legacy could be. Because we were faithful in carrying that. Because you are the one that can reach in and redeem all situations. Father, so help us just to offer that up to you. And I pray that we would receive that as some type of comfort and encouragement. And that perhaps even in this moment you would strengthen the backs of those that are carrying these, these burdens. And as they looked at the one that endured so that they may know salvation that we would also endure. And that all this would bring glory to the name and the person of Jesus. Father, thank you that he went to the cross. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Western Hills podcast. Please visit our website, westernhillsonline.org, to find out more about us.